Uh, the day is Sunday, and it is in the month of November. Yes, and we are looking outside, and all the snow is melting, and um, oh, you it's know, beautiful. I mean, the leaves have all fallen off of our aspen tree, so that's kind of sad. But it's a bit of, you know, it's just a nice pleasantness to it. And your face is lit up very beautifully by the sunlight, so that's nice. You have very, you have very bright blue eyes today. Well, thank you. Thank yes. you. I think it's going to be okay. <laughs> that's the verdict. That's 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 just where I'm at right now. I had a little 20-minute nap. You know, the boys only woke you up twice, and I just laid there and pretended I didn't hear them. And that was good. <laughs> so is it a nap when you're not sleeping? Cause like, I slept. But you were awake when I got them up. So. And then I fell asleep after that. There was like so another 20 like minutes a, after that. It's kind of like a in and out sort of thing. Yes. Well, yeah, exactly. Just a, hey, let's recharge the batteries real quick before we go out and do this crazy birthday party thing for the child. Yes. It is our first real... Um, Big birthday party for a Where kid. there's like other people besides inter- in- intermediate family. Yes. I mean, obviously... I've done a big birthday party for myself, but I mean, for our children, we haven't done anything yet. So people are real big on the whole first birthday. Don't know why. It seems kind of tricky. Yes. We didn't really do much. Right. Because they're not going to remember it. Exactly. Even the second birthday is kind of a myth. just kind of skipped right by that one, but um, four, we're, we're going to celebrate. We go all out. We we rented a bouncy castle at the, at the YMCA, and uh, yeah. It's going to be awesome. We baked two cakes last night and frosted them with the boys this morning. So it was the whole, the whole experience. <laughs> totally. Totally. You know, I feel pretty lucky about that, getting to do things like that with them. Yeah. So it's fun doing the baking and, the, and all of that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yes, you, um, um, you installed the, a new outlet for the oven, and so we actually have... Um, we have a new oven, a that, functioning oven yeah, now that, that can, can actually bake, bake things. <laughs> we'll have to roast some cakes. meat or something. <laughs> yep. Yes, the capabilities are oh, endless. That's exciting. This oven. Having a functioning kitchen again. It's good. <laughs> good stuff. Totally. So, um, yeah. So you, my friend, are up on the quiz show. Yay! The infamous okay. Quiz show. Let's find out what happens. Okay, um, Adriana Cas. Keslati was voiced as the lead role in this film. Voiced the lead role? Mm-hmm. Adriana Keslati. It was one of the first films to premiere at New York City's Radio City Music Hall. Okay. 25 songs were written for this movie, but only eight were used. <laughs> it's a lot of songs for a movie <laughs> to fit right in. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Hold on. I wait. So we're on question seven. Eight. That was eight. That was question eight. I am going to go ahead and lock in my answer. Okay. Yeah. The film won an honorary Academy Award as a significant screen innovation. Hmm. In 1989, this film was added to the United States National Film Registry as being deemed culturally, historically, and aesthetically significant. Okay. Ten-year-old actress Shirley Temple presented the winning Academy Award for this film. It was the first film to ever have a soundtrack album released for it. The story was adapted from the original Brothers Grimm fairy tales. The movie was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Music Score for Hi-Ho, Someday My Prince Will Come, and Whistle While You Work. So (gasps) close. Yes! You got this wrong! Oh, good! It was Walt Disney's first full-length animated feature. Okay, what did you I guess? I thought it was Sleeping Beauty. Oh. Not Cinderella. What? No, it's Seven White's it's Seven Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Or what? Hi ho. Oh Hi-ho? yeah, Snow White. Right. That right, one. Right. Right. Yeah. That's yeah, fun. Yeah. Sorry. That's fun though. So reason I thought that was Cinderella in my mind. But yeah, yeah. No, I thought it was Sleeping Beauty would be the one. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. That's like super exciting that you had like two wrong animation things right. in your head. Yeah, it would have taken me three tries to get it. Man. They were wow. both like girl, princess. I, yeah, I always assumed that Sleeping Beauty was the more like critically acclaimed and famous one. 
But yeah. no, it's, it's Snow White. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yes. Dang yes, you and your Disney princesses zero have zeroed you out. Song. Yes. You, I, you, good job. Well done finding an excellent <laughs> question to, to mix me up. If only you were a girl or had girls, <laughs> perhaps your, your princess. You know, really, is, I guess this is be. kind of the revenge for, for you being the only female in our household. <laughs> you get to get things like this over me. There's some justice in the world. <laughs> there is, there is. Yes, it wasn't quite as great as the toilet paper um, incident. Um, I mean, the questionnaire. Yes. It's not quite right. as awesome as you that got, answer. But you did get one on me. You got me to guess wrong. So, man. So, bravo. Ugh. Bravo. Well. I feel very smug right now. At least I didn't say, like, Sleeping Beauty or whatever. So. <laughs> No, no. Um, you did say Sleepy Beauty. Let's cut that out. <laughs> no, we will not I'm get tired. that out. <laughs> I meant Beauty and the Beast. At least I didn't say something humiliating like Sleeping Beauty. <laughs> I meant Beauty and the Beast. I meant it would be embarrassing if I had said Beauty and the Beast because I don't know why that would be more embarrassing than what I the getting it wrong for any other reason. But in my mind, briefly, I cannot think. Wow, you got me good. Damn, I should not have taken a nap right before this. Was that a trick? Did you trick me into taking a nap just so you could defeat me at trivia? Perhaps I gave you a slightly poisoned apple yeah. for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> just as a fitting you know token to the the answer of this trivia question you've been been prepping this all week haven't you <laughs> now i know been dripping poison slowly <laughs> in every piece of fruit exactly Hang on. which would make me the wicked witch or whatever the, they the, were whatever she is. the wicked old lady <laughs> i don't know I'm pretty sure she's a witch i just don't remember what her name is <laughs> Can't I can't remember the either. name of the movie, so how would I know any of that? <laughs> Seriously. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, I wish I could remember her name, but sadly, it has escaped me. Um, so yeah, here we are. Um, this this morning we um listened to an interview by someone. Didn't you watch this guy actually at the um the live. chapel? I, yeah, I, chapel. Can, yep. Yes, at chapel one time at mm-hmm. your workplace. Um, you saw this guy, but we listened to his testimony on Focus on the Family. Um, what is his name again? Nick Vucevic. Vucevic. And he was um, a classic Australian, Australian, you know, born without um, arms or, or legs. And we actually watched um, the video of him down in Peru. Um, yeah, in he, Spanish. Had, he starred in a in a film of some sort about. I can't remember the name of the film, but it had to do with with circus performers. And, and he was like passing through this creek. It was like it was yeah, it was interesting, but it was all in Spanish, so we had no idea what was happening. Even though but it, we knew the guy, right? I don't think the film was originally released in Spanish. I think they were watching the Spanish version of a film that we probably should have known about. Yes, yes. Wow. So, um, but you know, it was it was really great. Um, yes, listener Rachel recommended it, and <laughs> um, um, it was you know it was good. I think one of my favorite things that I enjoyed about it was that you know he was saying how the first thing that people tend to think when they see somebody without arms mm. and legs is like, oh, I don't have it as bad or something. But or how I'll never complain again because obviously I don't have it as bad as that person. It's like this false, like guilty hope. Yes. And he was like how, you know, how false that is, like how ingenuine that sort of feeling is. And, and I really appreciate him saying that because I kind of hate when people say things like that to me where they're like, you know, like, yeah. You don't have cancer or I don't have cancer, like right. all these different things, you know, but it doesn't make it any less real, like what you have, you know? And right. I think, you know, like us being in um, recovery ministry and stuff, you hear some pretty intense testimonies. And so sometimes it's hard to not go to that place of like, oh man, like I don't have it that bad. And then, sure. but then you stop working on your own pain and stuff so i really appreciate right. if, the if your only motivation that. to be content is guilt over like whininess like that's not gonna work that's just shame that's not change yeah 
which is a good reminder about parenting. It's like whenever I want to try to use shame to make my kids just stop whining or be better, it's not going to work. Not going to change them. That's a good point. It's like a little shortcut to trick their brain for like a minute and then it gets bad. And, um, you know, and, and I think the other thing that I really loved about it too, was just, um, you know, how he was, how he was describing like, well, okay. So for me right now, like I said, it's like I have the stomach flu every day and I don't know for, for all of you out there with the stomach flu, like you kind of feel this anticipation about the day that you wake up and you don't feel that feeling anymore, you know, like that you're going to be be sick. And so like you wait like in anticipation and you're like, maybe when I wake up from this tonight, like it's all going to be fine, you know? And so I keep having this thing like every day where I feel um anticipation and, and a little stuff. bit disappointed yeah and mm-hmm. then the disappointment and so you know it was like him describing um how his like six-year-old self was like just kept praying for limbs and waiting for limbs to show up you right. know and they never showed up and um just the disappointment and heart crushing depression that that brought you know um right why did I get the miracle that I wanted instead of what he does have, which is the ability to touch people's lives? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what stood out to you, do you think, the most? I thought that was, I mean, definitely the the difference between the, like, the shame-induced uh, thing that we talked about. But then also, I feel like the, he, <laughs> he had, he shared he shared a memory of being a young boy and praying to God to miraculously give him limbs. And he promised that he would go around the world and appear on every TV show and go on every radio show and talk to the whole world and tell them about the incredible miracle of God giving him limbs. And then getting like the irony, I guess, of just being like, yeah, you're going to go and do all those things, but not because I'm not because, you know, not because God gave him exactly the miracle and the healing that he wanted, but for different related reasons. It's, it's kind of, it feels kind of awful. It's almost like sickening, but it's also just like, it's sort of a beautiful poetic irony. It is because, yeah, he was saying how, you know, how if he had gone around, people have been like, oh, that's cool. But not many people could relate to that yeah, then, you know, where that's right. The relatability, where which is, is the power like, of testimony. Is like now, I mean, everyone relates to him about that point where you reach of hopelessness and where you don't want to get out of bed every day. And I mean, you know, that's, that's, that's where I've been at. And, um, Hmm. you know, you just want time to pass. Right. So, yeah. So that relatability would have been lost and which is interesting. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think about all that? Where do you, where are you after that? Like part of me is almost like I still don't find him totally relatable because it is so extreme. It's hard for my mind to just like connect with, you know what I mean? Like I could still tell myself the light live. Like I still don't have anything worth comparing to that. Like I'll never be able to compare it to someone who's been through that kind of pain. Yeah. And I think that that's just, you know, I think that's a lot, like you said, it's a lie mm-hmm. of the enemy to try to keep, you know, keep us from, taking that story and like applying it you know what I mean and mm-hmm. I mean during it I was crying because I was relating to that you know and and um I mean I don't know I just I just think everybody has has that like and I mean we we get to listen to this guy that um that is like kind of the expert on hope because he had to really you know, had to deal go with there yep. to, to do that for so long, you know? And so I feel like it's like, I don't know. I feel like it's just like listening to some, like an expert, you know, on, on a subject that I need right now. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. But I do feel like, you know, he had to make that, that choice, you know, and, and I don't know that I fully made that decision yet to, um, like I still wake up each day trying to decide like am I going to believe that God loves me and um hmm. I'm worth something, you know, because um 
you know, he died for me. And, and I still feel like that it feels um, like I don't feel like I'm wrestling as much like last week, but I feel like that that decision, like I feel like he's firmly made that decision, but I feel like I'm still making that decision each day. Got so it. I feel like that that's kind of where it left me in the end. Interesting. Yeah, I, that, that's a good Uh, that's a good truth. I think there's hope in that, but you know, a hard reminder that we do have to make that decision each day. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And then yesterday we had the experience of, um, meeting with a, uh, you know, a married couple that's been married for a bit longer, you know, and, um, mentoring. I, I was yeah. reminded again of the pain of vulnerability, <laughs> you know, like the pain um, of your own vulnerability. Yes. To them. Yes. Yes. Yeah. There's that one, um, what is that book that is it Brene Brown oh, that does the, Daring Greatly. The yeah, about vulnerability, vulnerability study. Exactly. And you know how she's like in the book, um, she expresses how it's like a literal pain, you know, and yes. and I think that I felt that, you know, like because we were trying to describe like our schedule and right now we're blessed enough that Tim's worked a lot of hours and stuff. And so we're blessed enough that for a little while, yeah. we're only going to have him work 20 hours right, for right now. Yeah. And it was so painful to admit that, like how hard that is Look to get at you in. admitting it to everyone that might listen to podcasts. <laughs> Could be roughly the same number of people as we talked to you today. <laughs> um, but the, you know, but that 20 hour, like, but how hard and chaotic our lives feel, oh, even feels, with just yeah. trying to do that. But we're like admitting it to people that have like two full-time jobs and right. they homeschool and like uh-huh. this, all the all the craziness of most people's schedules and, and I'm like yeah this is this is hard man. <laughs> but it but it is you right. know and and so just being able to I mean you can't like there's so many ways to defend and explain all the extra stuff all your time that's going trying on to rationalize and justify and pre-defend yourself against other people's judgment then you'll never have a real relationship because you can't ever be vulnerable yeah yeah yeah, totally. So, anyway, I appreciated you doing that and walking through that and being vulnerable with them and with all the people in this podcast, apparently. Um, but the, yeah, that's... But like literal mm. pain, you know, admitting that and stuff for me. That one's, that one's rough because I want us to, like, I want to explain all the other things that we're doing and that we have going on. But yet, I don't... I mean, it, that I think just comes from a place of like pride, though, of wanting to explain the rest, you know, to try to like make it look different. Well, it makes sense because that's isn't it's a common uh, tool that Americans use is the busyness excuse, like just to keep getting ourselves busier and busier so that we feel like we're doing enough. We feel like we're uh that that we have a reason to complain only if we're pushing ourselves to the point of of insanity with with busyness and taking on new responsibilities and new tasks all the time i just see it all the time like it's just such a common thing of just how busy people are yeah so yeah choosing the things that we're busy in to be less intense because we're dealing with other problems and other things is just it's a hard choice to go after and just to admit because it doesn't look as good right right it doesn't yeah it doesn't look quite right to me and so that has been weird and um you know just trying to make yeah trying to make those decisions about if we want to launch other parts of you know business for you and Mm -hmm. and all those things and just trying to like it just feels like we're saying no to all the wrong things but uh or i mean all the all right wrong. things but like it, it seems like there's these wrong. opportunities that would bring satisfaction or fortune or you know some some good things in our lives a long-term goal which right. is always what i'm longing for and right to be pursuing some big long-term decision that costs something right now but, but we keep saying no yeah, and it seems that way it seems like we just don't have the it's, I mean, we're living week to week, day to day on our energy and God's energy and strength, honestly. So we don't have a big surplus. We don't have a margin of strength and energy to spend. Well, and um, 
you know, to brag, um, (laughs) we, you know, we talked about which book we were going to talk about for book club and obviously we got further through on mine, but that is because you actually started reading it with me. So, um, you know, so it is my book, (laughs) but, um, so we're talking about my book I couldn't help it. Yours was quite good. Thank you. I have other books I kind of read too, so I don't, I don't just focus on one book. Yes, exactly. But, you know, we talked about which one we'd get further and I think we've gotten further on mine. Yeah, Max Lucado, Traveling Light. Traveling Light, that's the name of it. I knew it was something about releasing baggage and all that. Yes, yes I think that was the name. Yeah. yeah, and it's really, it's all about a study of the 23rd Psalm. Yes. Which I love. Yes, which is so good. And one of my very favorite illustrations has to do with all this. And he was saying how there's a story of a man going through the jungle, you know, and he has his guide, like, doing the little machete thing, mm. getting him through the jungle and yes. stuff, you know, walking it, chopping him through the jungle. And um, he, <laughs> uh, like, he's, like, asking, like, where's the path, you know? But the guide knows, like, this man isn't going to know anything about right. his jungle. Like, if right. he tries to describe, like, where they're at, like, it's going to mean nothing to this man mm-hmm. because, Interesting. because, I mean, it's his jungle and so it'll mean nothing. And so he says, I'm the path. And um, the guy with the machete does. And, you know, and Max Lucado is just bringing up the point that that's like what Jesus is telling us. And Mm, I quite literally. And so I think, yes, quite literally. And I think that that's so applicable to us because right now I'm like, where the heck am I in the stupid jungle? I feel jerked around. Like, Mm. I feel like we were going to do one thing. We were going to stay some, you know, in Nepal, we were going to do this. We were going to do that. And I'm jerked around and I'm in all this heavy foliage and I'm like, where am I? You know, and I want that answer. And I feel like that illustration helped to settle at least that one question. Like this week, I feel like that was the question that was quenched of that. Like, what are you doing? Mm. Because I'm like, okay, I guess I can't know. I guess I know that I'm in the jungle and I have no idea where I'm at in life. And so I better stay close to the guy with the machete. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a beautiful way to put it. I I wasn't quite making all those connections you were. But that's really cool. Like it is. It's the day to day. Like, okay, I'm on the path because because I'm not wandering off trying to do it under my own power. Because I'm following Jesus in some way, shape, or form. I'm I'm opening the word. I'm I'm trying to stay focused on what I know, which is that I don't know anything. Which I think means something to us too, because when we were in the Peru jungles, immediately Tim oh, and yeah, I ran I into trouble. So like we literally just get in the thing, like into the jungle, and I fall, I fall Through and sprain my ankle, yes. and um, stab my hand on a spine. <laughs> yes, on a, on a tree, on like a poisoned spine. Yeah, it wasn't, probably wasn't poison. It looks like, but your hand got all messed up, and like so, we're immediately like we have to like turn around like almost instantly yep. and it was like okay we are not made for the jungle nope. <laughs> i have no desire city to go folk. back to the jungle <laughs> or mountain alpine meadows things with a little more space a little less density <laughs> and maybe even a desert i don't know <laughs> so i think that that was like hilarious to us because it showed us how ill-equipped we were for the amazon jungle <laughs> Yes. I'm all like, oh, yeah, I've got like the basic survival kit in my backpack with me. Nope. I have no idea what I'm doing. And I'm like bawling and we're like to the guide. I'm like trying to like look all strong and stuff, but we have to like tell the guide like we have to turn around basically. Yeah. Well, I think they knew. I mean, the the, the boardwalk we were on was falling apart, rotting underneath us. So Yes. Yes. That was bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness um so what what struck you in that book like the most like what word picture or i mean i feel like each yeah. of his chapters are kind of word pictures like they so which are. one kind of well, okay first of all like i don't know if i've ever actually read a max lucado like book of this type like i know he's this type of writer that writes these christian nonfiction, you know topical things yeah and but like for some reason, I don't have any memory of having read any of his stuff before, other than some weird Christmas thing from when I was a kid that was like strange. Oh, like, like with this the, like dramatization the... of the Christmas story. Oh, I thought you were gonna say because did he write the one with the 
the kids book with like the puppet that has the star on him because he's special was that Max Max Lucado? That's not what you're talking about no. though, because that was also a Christmas book. But Maybe. I don't know if that's him. I'm thinking of one with like where it's like the angels go to battle in order to bring. I don't even know. Was he the comedian that traveled around when we no. were younger? Who no. was that? What? No, he's not a comedian. I, that's who I keep thinking it is. Who was that guy that would travel around and like you went to see him in youth group and it but was like... Are you talking about who the guy who also had the songs and stuff? The musical one? Me, yeah. Who is that? Oh. So I remember you going to the youth group. Like you oh, and um, everybody. Yeah, that was a weird one. Mark Lowry? Is that yes, the guy's name? that's who I keep thinking it is. Wow. The ML. Same initials, but way off. Completely different. And so I'm like, wow, this guy you is like. You have been very confused probably during this right, book. He's a I'm great like, writer. I'm like, what's going on? Like, he's, he's so not serious. that funny. Like, I mean, the first chapter funny. was funny, but yes, he does. Like, each chapter brings a sort small of, chuckle, yeah. but I keep expecting, like, yeah, this kind of more intense thing, or maybe a song. I don't know. <laughs> Whoa. I can't believe you were thinking that's who this was this whole time. That's awesome. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. That makes more sense now. So, that's, that's I, I have been very confused. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Christian subculture wires getting crossed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, now I don't even know what to say now. I can't even think of anything from the book. All I could think about is Mark Lowry. <laughs> that's strange junior high memories of <laughs> jokes. Going there. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. So you don't have any illustrations from, from the book. Oh, I that... thought it was interesting. Um, the, uh, one point where he's like, um, the shepherd, he makes me lie down by still waters. I thought that was interesting because um, are the green pastures. Anyway, it's, it was this whole thing where it's like if if you're in the wilderness, the Judean wilderness, you're in a desert. And so if there's a pleasant uh, place for sheep to lie down, it's only because the shepherd has cleared out the spot, has like moved the rocks and leveled the ground and poured out the pulled out the brambles and all that stuff. I, I think that that was just kind of a neat image and illustration and reminder. It's not just like you just, I don't know. There's something more active about it. It's less of like a passive, like just finding a nice place. It's more of an active, like, like there really is like when you experience these moments of, of pleasure and rest and comfort in your life, it's because like there's work that, that God has done to sort of prepare these things, which is, Ugh, still just hard to like wrap my head around like what is active and what is passive and how this whole stinking universe even works but yeah but I could see what you're saying because I really felt like we were in a time of rest before Kathmandu like I was still sick and everything but I mean there was there was still like this time where I'm like this is this is a period of rest and sure. it sure was compared to this last yeah. year you know and I had that feeling um and so it is interesting thinking about it right. being made, you know, right. like that it's a made time. Right. I think the other part that I liked was when it talked about worry and it was, it was fun. My sister sent me this book and she wrote like, hi, Becca, you know, like at this part, I was glad that she, so it's good to be known. Like she knew that that was going to be like touching to me, but mm. you know, it's better. She for, like identified the chapter where she wanted to like give you a little wink. Yes. Gotcha. Yes. But I felt like that was better than the one that's like, that's titled get over yourself. <laughs> Which sister sent you that book? <laughs> <laughs> no, she did oh, about the no, worry. That's one I gave you is get over yourself. That, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I feel like that that amused me thinking about like someone right sending that to someone with like the <laughs> get over yourself and then there's chapter. A little wink, like highlighted. <laughs> hey there, get over yourself. <laughs> Oh, was that the name of a chapter in this book? Yes. Oh, gotcha. Okay, gotcha. Yes, gotcha. it was the name of the chapter in this Circle, book. Circle, highlight, underline. <laughs> no, it was the one that I made fun of you for because you were all grumpy this morning. And so I was like, Tim, it's called Get Over Yourself. I do not so remember any of this. I was the one that How made fun of you. I lost my mind? I'm so out of That's it. That's okay. That's okay. But anyway, so it's good to be known. But I enjoyed in that, um, in that section this little illustration by like a a giant um, boat captain person. A giant captain of a boat, boat. or a giant boat captain? <laughs> a captain of a giant boat. Either way, however you want to illustrate ooh, this ooh, one. 
<laughs> maybe both i don't i don't know but um you know he was he was <laughs> He was talking about how, you know, you can close the compartments of the boat so it doesn't sink like in the Titanic, you know? And so he's like, close down, you know, when the waters get crazy, close down your compartments because, um, you know, and that was thinking about the past and about the future, you know, but stay in the compartment of today because otherwise Mm. you're going down with the rough waters. Oh, gotcha. And that really struck me because I had just been talking to you and I was talking to you about something that I was really afraid of, but also something at the same time that had happened in the past, you know? So it was like, I was like in all three dimensions at once, you know what I mean? Like I was, I wasn't just in one or two, I was in all three dimensions and I was going down. Because you hadn't compartmentalized into depression, your, like, past, future, and like all of these different emotional levels on the same day. Yeah, and it was like too much. It is too much. That is way too much. We do that so often where we're just like, all of a sudden, it's everything. It's not just one problem. It's everything. It's like when you're talking about that schedule thing. Like that was the problem with trying to come up with our schedule last night. Yeah, we're thinking about it's like it's just everything. And I just saw you breaking down. As and then like it's started. all going to go bad because how can I predict I'm going to feel? Like, why even bother trying? Because there's no hope. It's like okay that is just globalization we can't like we can't assume that but tim you know wanted our chunks of hours to do his work you know and i'm like well how am i supposed to know and and we're just like we've got to try something yep, you know exactly. and we've got to try to give you some hours because it's taking you 40 to do 20 because of all the back and forth and everything and so it's like we've got to like have yeah. some compartmentalization even during the day because our house is crazy right now it's a little chaotic yeah i mean it's not it's not like, yeah, it's not a total mess. Right. There's, uh, there is, there is positive things going on. But yeah, we have two little kids who aren't in school. And so they're just constantly causing chaos all day long. They both have reactive. some issues. And, yeah. and so it's just like, you know, it's just, I mean, you're right. There's some very positive things going on. And I do, I feel I would definitely take my life right now. Um, as sick as I am, I would definitely take my life right now and then trade it for anything else. So there is a lot mm. of positive going on, you know, but um, I just feel like it's not getting run as efficiently oh, as man, normally. No. Oh, as normally? Yikes. Yeah. I mean, we're not very organized or efficient people. To begin with. Right. So, yeah, this is this is exceptionally dysfunctional. Yes. Yes. Hence the sporadicness of this of this uh week by week commitment to the podcast well no and it's not even that it's like how do we get me healthy enough to do this hour when i need to be healthy enough to do my schoolwork and like all this stuff and it's been like we just haven't been able to function enough hours to do even the basic things i don't know if you've talked about your schoolwork on the podcast at all yeah, I'm, well, you know, I, well, we did a little bit because I talked about um one of the chapters. Look at me. My memory is coming back. I've been uh-huh. in such a fog. My yeah. memory is coming back. Um, But we talked about some of the chapter that I had been reading. I asked you some questions oh, um, if you believed it was true or false gotcha. out of those chapters. But, but yeah, you know, it has been a great experience for me to really dig into. I mean, I've been wanting to take a class again since my master's work, you know, and, and this is like just so fun to, um, I don't know. It continues to just blow my mind. I thought I knew stuff about writing and it is so cool to, just feel surprised how little I know, you know, how much there is to know. And I love the two books that he chose for this course because they both contradict views. Mm. And so it's constantly making me think, like I agree with one guy way more often than the other one, but it's constantly making me like, think like i'm having this philosophical argument between these books and it's it's exciting that is exciting it's definitely pushed me out of my comfort zone to post you know each week onto online classes with their forums and their discussion threads oh they're the worst and i've it's an england base it's through oxford so it's been like really annoying to me because they get to go to all these like plays and stuff and i'm like oh whatever you and your plays and your festivals I want to be there (laughs) so I feel like I've been annoyed by that part but um but 
yeah, that's it's, but it's been good, you know, and it's, yeah. and it's pushed me and the final project is coming up and it will be, you know, sending actually my first scene. And so I'm going to have to do some major revisions to that mm. scene to really get it working. But so you feel like you've learned a lot of things that you're going to have to apply. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I think I, yeah, I have just learned, I mean, I, yeah, I've just learned a lot. Like, I think it's going to, um, it changes the way that I'm looking at drama and how each scene has to be so instrumental to build upon the other. And you have to kind of start out with this premise of like, you know, arrogance leads to isolation. And so then you play that out, you know, like, and so by the end, you have to solve the premise of the main character oh, trait of, of your character. And so, you know, I think that that really, I'm, I'm such a person that kind of wanders, like I like creating the characters, but I kind of wander about. And so I think that focus is what I'm getting most from this It's class. sort of working backwards from the end result. Yes. Or, or you, you, yeah, interesting. So I know where I'm going. Like, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I know I have to lead to complete, you know, destruction for this person. <laughs> poor, and you so, poor characters. <laughs> I know. It's like, one of the, the main character- <laughs> If only. Um, the characters, uh, yes, with my first thing where I did an outline of all the scenes of um, the play, um, he, yeah, the, the, you know, it was positive. Like, he gave me a lot of positive, good feedback, the teacher and stuff. But he was like, this is a very, very dark drama. Oh. And I'm like, yes, hi, my name is Rebecca. <laughs> I like writing very dark fiction. <laughs> Strangely enough. Oh. But, but I think, I mean, but I think that's because it shows something. Like, it shows... If you show, I mean, without God, all you've got is darkness. And so I think it plays an important role to show huh. the depravity of humanity. There's certain honesty to it where you can't, when you hold up a a mirror to society, you can't just pretend that things are okay and that humans are going to solve problems themselves. Right. By themselves. Right. In a, in a relationship or a life that is godless, like the ultimate end to it is destruction. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. So I, I like showing that depravity, you know, and, and it's been interesting trying to end with um, a little bit of light, which I try to do, you know, yeah. but but I think, um, um, yeah, I'm still working out how I want to do that with this one, but I don't want it to be false, like, you know, like a moral tale of like, here's the depravity and here's, you know, the light. Like, it has to be true, but mm. I think I think you have to show... Um, I don't know. I think that there's just a lot of darkness that you have to show to be willing to go those places with the with people. So um yeah, you read an interesting article about um a place in Iowa. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Oh, sure. Okay, yes. So you still haven't read it, right? No, I have not. I okay. was going to let you enlighten me on the air. Okay. Well, we'll try to put the link in the show notes, but it's an article from the New Yorker. Okay. So do you, what do you know about the New Yorker? Like, do you ever read art, uh, articles from the New Yorker when, online? Um, when I was trying to send out like articles back in the day, I did a little bit, but I okay. think kind of snobby is what I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, I mean, like it's just literally a magazine for people who live in New York, but. And it's like, it's, it's an elevated, um, like, you know, literary. the average newspaper writes at a sixth grade level. Oh, and yes. so this one is like a 10th grade level. And I think they're famous think. for writing really long articles, like really long features, just like, I don't know how many thousand words is long for a magazine, but it's, it's longer than your average magazine feature. Yes. And, and, it, and it could have been higher than 10th. I was just trying to express that. I remember discussing it it's in exceptionally all my journals high, and classes yeah, compared yeah. to the sixth grade level Reading that level. you're supposed to write at. Yes. So, um, so elitist, snobby, yes. uh, East coast, you know, focus, big urban metropolitan, uh, person focus. Right. And that is, I feel like one of the recurring themes on our (laughs) podcast is this sort of uncomfortableness with that, that personality, with that, that coastal elite, um, 
culture because we, we've never really met them like that much like I, I can't understand them i can't really like like the people i've met from the coast have been nice and stuff but it's like there's something about new york that i just like imagine as being just the most obnoxious <laughs> um so i don't know it's just really hard to to ever read a new yorker article without sort of chuckling inside at the <laughs> at the ridiculousness of the things they write so lo and behold what do i find but i find an article from the New Yorker about Orange City, Iowa, which is a town about, you know, 20 or 30 minutes away from where we grew up. And we both It's all there. Dutch. You know, they have like this big yes. tulip festival that and I went to every year growing up. are predominantly up. Dutch, uh, yes. you know, heritage. Well, and mainly I'm German, but I do have 25% Dutch. Sure, Just sure. to be totally honest. Okay, fine. So I'm, <laughs> I'm in there somewhere too in that high Dutch percentage, more, I think more than half, but yeah. Yes. Um... Anyway, ain't much if you ain't Dutch. I guess you know, not. That sort I of thing. I guess not. But uh, but yeah, I'm not I'm not from from Orange City. Um, I have a, a close friend who's very Dutch and who literally did go to college in the small college, the Christian college in Orange City, Northwestern. Yes. Uh, Your best man at that. Exactly. A very good friend. And so anyway, I was just cracking up when I started reading this article because the premise of the article is. Um, America's small towns are dying. <laughs> Why is Orange City, Iowa different? <laughs> Why is there a small town in the middle of nowhere in the most rural setting in Iowa, the whitest conservative place in the world? And how come it's not Did dying it mention the Tulip Festival? Yeah, they mentioned that. They import all these tulips from Holland. Yeah, they this... import them from Holland? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, they can't grow enough of them. How did there. I go there every year without knowing this? Oh, There's not know. literature sitting about, <laughs> Apparently that I or that there, I noticed. There probably is, but you're not much of a plaque reader. Well, no, but I'm at the museums reader. I read things. Do but you? I but if it's just gonna be at a park, like like I'm oh. gonna read that. You don't love history as much as I do and those random factoids. So I love museums as much as you do though. I guess you do, that's true. Passionately. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Hackles raised, folks. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so they talk about the basics of like Dutch community, immigrants, um, you know, they're this many minutes away from the nearest interstate. They're this many minutes away from the nearest airport. They're, you know, this far. It's just surrounded by cornfields and, and, you know, gently rolling hills on either side. And like, yeah, that's like where we grew up. It's very nice and pleasant. But they're like pointing out that all the small towns like that in general are shrinking because of this brain drain. It's like young people who are ambitious are encouraged to leave. Like whether they know it or not, everyone in the town says, well, if you're smart and going someplace and going to do something great with your life, you're obviously going to need to leave. Yeah. I kind of got that feeling in high school yeah, in a way. Yeah. Even going, I mean, we're still grew up in a very small city, but yeah, it was, it was still like, did you get that feeling? In I think so. Yeah. It was kind of that, especially when I went to really small town high schools, it was definitely like, well, yeah, I mean, the most, the average hope is to go to the local state college, but you know, people who are really going someplace. They'll obviously go to the university at the state or maybe a more distant university in a different state. Yeah, yeah. And like maybe you'd come back or something, but there was always that like, where are you going sort of question. Right. It's never about staying or coming back and, and building a life or building a career there. And so they were saying it's different because there are like industries and businesses actually moving into the area. And there are long running industries and businesses that continue to generate jobs and be economic drivers in Orange City. So, so why do these Dutch people want to stay? <laughs> Exactly. That was sort of the tone was like this like disbelief like from the the authors like how could they want to stay? This is a small town. It's like how why would anyone come back? Why would anyone stay here? And it's like some of it is the like raising a family, wanting to be part of a community that you trust and you know and feel like like your people have your back. And so they kind of touched on that and that's a thing. And some of it is like people who um leave tend to like broaden their horizons and start to disagree with the politics the ultra conservative you know uh republican western iowa politics and but then why would they come back to a place that's 
steeped in that where they wouldn't be welcome necessarily with their political views. But and they come back. They do. And they had a bunch of anecdotal examples of people coming back and they had general demographic, you know, information saying that they just aren't losing the generations as, as quickly as they should be. Interesting. Well, and you didn't you say that one person even like went to Kathmandu and stuff, which is kind of funny. right. It was such a weird like <laughs> nexus of things. Like there was they they one of the guys they highlighted like went and did some hippie stuff in Kathmandu for a while, <laughs> and then like like a bunch of things, and then ended up coming back. And did the guy? I don't remember. Did he start a? Was he guy? There was some guy that started a coffee shop that they interviewed. Also, it might have been different people, but. Yeah, there's well, all this different stuff. And I would definitely go back to Iowa. Like, I don't have any, like, I love Iowa. Like, I think it's beautiful mm-hmm. and I don't have any, like, negative, but I don't know. Like, uh, so why is there that? The winters. No, I would still go back. I <laughs> Even love, with the winter? Yeah, I uh, love Iowa. It's beautiful. I love mm-hmm. winter. It's like one of, it's my second favorite season after fall. Um, But, like, I don't know. So, so I guess when you get, so there's kind of that, that thing about it being cool to leave, but then when you leave, like, you know, I don't know that it stays that way. Like, I don't think it would be weird to move back, you know, mm. like, do you think that, I don't know, like that there'd be, like, does that stay with you? That high school thing of like, that it's cool mm. to leave or. Yeah, I think. I think some of it is the opportunity to reinvent yourself. And so if you successfully reinvent yourself and find that you can create a new life with a new personality where no one knew you before, then why would you go back to being that old person? So do people do that everywhere, though? Like, are people like yes. migrating everywhere? Yes, people are migrating to the cities where they can be anonymous. That so why are they the- picking on the Midwest? Because you can't be anonymous. I think that was the other funny part was just like, it was just they picked the most like prototypically rural, like small town place they could imagine. And then they highlighted all the reasons that it broke expectations. So I think all over the country in there's, I was not the only place where it's happening, but there's rural places everywhere in the South and the West, all over the place where the small towns are losing their bright and intelligent people and generations are leaving and abandoning it for jobs, for opportunities, for the opportunity to reinvent themselves. All that stuff is real. And like at the end of this article, I don't think they even really had a really good answer for why this was different, but I mean, what else can you say? But it's something about the personality of the people. It's something about the commitment that they have to each other. It's something about just the, um, I don't know, something about the people in the place where they were willing to give it a go and willing to overlook the small town stuff because there was still opportunity. There was still, you know, nice places to live and nice people to be around. Interesting. Very interesting. And the fact that it had a college in it, maybe it doesn't feel as like, it doesn't feel as backwards, maybe. Maybe it doesn't feel as like... <sighs> dumb i'm just trying to like come up with a but it doesn't feel backwards or dumb but we know that but you're saying the new york is like there's towns that i've lived in where i would have felt that way like i am saying like i agree like there there are a couple of little little nebraska one that was um yes where i would just be like "Mm, i don't think i could move back there i think that would be dumb (laughs) (laughs) but we don't feel that way about sioux city what yeah i don't know it's not it's it's neither it's it's just sort of lukewarm right i mean sioux city is kind of dirty kind of smelly and it doesn't have a whole lot going for it you know i mean it's it's fine but it's kind of just sort of eh. man that's harsh yeah is it yeah well would you I'd be afraid to run into people from high school. I would be afraid of that. But you ran into someone from high school out here. So that's hilarious. You can't escape it. But I would I would be afraid, like, you know, that's what I would be afraid of. But but I mean like there's like lots that's of That's the stuff reinventing yourself. Like you reinvented yourself and now you don't want to have to be like seen through the lens of that old person you used to be. Right. Right. I think that drives a lot. But it of wasn't it. backwards. Like it was smart. Okay. Okay. I hear what you're saying. Man, I thought you were loyal to the Midwest. I like But you grew up even hicker because you were like 
I don't know, out in these tiny places. I did. I grew up in smaller schools, smaller towns, more rural. And I just don't know. Like, and seeing all of that, it's kind of like, well, Sioux City is just sort of just a bigger, small town. It's just more people all crammed into a small town. That's kind of how I feel about it. Right. It feels like kind of nice to be there, though. Like, I feel like there's kind of like a, like a, warmth like I like I like the smaller town like I like Iowa like I yeah. I loved I loved going to college at, in Ames and stuff and, sure um I love the green rolling hills you and know? see I would rather dead out here and I would rather live out in a more rural like place than in a city or in really? a town yeah I would be happier living out in a in a like a farmhouse type of situation or something where it's you know, even more rural. Interesting. Yeah. Even a smaller, closer knit community. Wow. Like I feel like the community we're at here in Colorado has a slightly better like sense of small town community and connection. Like there's just I don't know. It's about the same, but there's just things that they do that are different. And it's just it just feels like I don't know, like I like even being in this even smaller places. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You do like even smaller than. It's like if you have the money to afford to pave your roads, I'm a little suspicious. Of <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Well, well, shocking stuff here. I don't know. This is interesting. We've never really talked about this, but I guess I've always resisted the idea of going back and leaving Colorado. I I feel angry at you, though, for feeling like it was backwards at all, because it wasn't. Uh, wasn't it? No. Hmm. I guess. I mean, maybe. You've been polluted by... I have been. I have been. No, I agree. I agree, and I recognize that it's silly, and I recognize that it's all sort of irrational, but it's this emotional, like, like disconnect. Like, once you leave a place, you start to just see the, the other things, and you're like, yeah, I don't really feel like ever going back there. Like, there's lots of other places I'd rather try to go. Interesting. Well, yeah. Well, thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks, and... everyone, for listening to another week of The Good Words on... Uh, terribleaudio.com you can find us there our show notes and our past episodes um i don't know anyway what else uh if you have thoughts and comments about um small town life and uh (laughs) what that is like and whether or not you would ever go back or why you would want to go back or why you did go back please uh let us know shoot us an email to follow up at terribleaudio.com um you'll find that on the website as well and yeah, Becca, anything you'd like to say to the people? Nope, that that sums it up. 